if there's a front line in the battle against fake news and disinformation, fact checkers are on it. Welcome to Bots and Ballots, a show about the intersection of technology and politics from Silicon Valley. Today I'm talking to Angie Drubnik Holen, editor of PolitiFact, a nonpartisan fact checking organization. Angie was part of the PolitiFact team that won a Pulitzer for its coverage of the 2008 election. The job of fact checkers changed in the 10 years since PolitiFact launched. For one thing, there was Donald Trump, but the team also deals with Facebook and Twitter where false facts move at light speed. Angie's even in contact with tech giants to use artificial intelligence to automate the search for truth. Angie was nice enough to join me even though she's got a cold, so you'll have to excuse her scratchy voice. I'm Grant Burningham, and this is Bots and Ballots from Yahoo News. I started Facebook, I run it, and I'm responsible for what happens here. This should be a wake-up call for the tech community. I did not know that Russian bots were promoting my campaign. The question is where and how did the Russians get into this? We are fighting the fake news. It's fake, phony, fake. Angie, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So you are the editor of PolitiFact. Why don't you quickly tell us what your mission is? We fact check statements that politicians make and we rate them for accuracy. So all of our news stories are fact checks where we lay out what was said, we review the evidence that we found, and then we issue a truthometer rating. And the ratings go from true to mostly true to half true to mostly false to false to pants on fire. 2016 is obviously a big moment in politics. Did you feel like that was a different atmosphere than you dealt with before as a fact checker? I think Donald Trump was an entirely different sort of political candidate than we had ever seen before. He came out of the real estate world and entertainment, and he just didn't have any uh, compunction about shading the truth or even um, outright fabrication. We had never seen that from a major national-level politician before. So fact-checking Donald Trump has been really different than any of the other politicians of either the Republicans or the Democrats. There is also this story of several different types of interference which were going on on an information level in 2016. Did you feel the pressure of that when you were fact-checking during the 2016 election? We were really busy with the major politicians. We noticed what was going on on social media with a lot of hoaxes and conspiracy theories, but it it wasn't immediately clear that it was so outsized. We've seen hoaxes and conspiracy theories since we got started. Back then, it was chain emails back in 2008. Um, the virality of Facebook in 2016 was new. Is the American public more gullible than it used to be? I don't, I don't think the American public is more gullible. I think the tools for spreading false information are more powerful. So I want you to walk me through a recent story, which is the uh, internment of migrant children. I'm wondering when a story like that develops, do you see political pushback, not just disinformation, but something that feels like it has a purpose in shading how a certain population feels about a political issue? Oh, I think a lot of fake news uh, is attempting to stoke anger um, from people who have strong partisan feelings. So uh, there's a lot of fake news about Trump. There's a lot of fake news about Clinton and uh, fake news about Obama. 
and it's trying to make people feel like their favorite politician is getting a really bad deal and that the people they don't like are either doing something terrible or facing terrible consequences for the terrible things they did. Fake news really plays on emotions. So it's something that people see and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so outrageous. I have to share this. What do you think fake news does to political conversation or just conversation in this country? It does a couple of things. Number one, it makes people mad. So it's about having people who are so emotionally upset that maybe they can't have rational discussion. The other thing it does is that it distracts the conversation from reality and addressing real problems in a constructive way. That's a huge part of the negative consequences of political lying is that you never get to the real issues because you're too busy trying to establish what's actually real. What are some of the most frustrating cases you've seen like that where some misinformation or disinformation knocked a regular political conversation so far off course that Americans couldn't talk about it anymore? I have to say the falsehoods that come from Donald Trump are the most distracting because he can take control of a whole media cycle for a day, for a couple of days, by saying things that aren't true. Um, He's kept repeating that Democrats were responsible for the separation of families at the border. Uh, That wasn't true. Ultimately, I don't think that worked because he ended up signing an executive order to end the separation. So I know your group has partnered with some of the technology companies. Why don't you talk a little bit about what a technological fix for fact-checking might look like? We work in partnership with Facebook, along with a lot of other fact-checkers, to fact-check hoaxes and conspiracy theories on Facebook. And we have a tool where we can log our checks into the system. And then Facebook downgrades content that has been determined to be a conspiracy theory, or a hoax. And it's a very nuanced project. It doesn't censor anything. It asks people if they're sure they want to share content that has been found to be false. But people can still share it. Facebook's also been training its algorithms to predict and detect fake news. And that's been a very groundbreaking part of the program. I haven't seen anything like that, this automated detection. I know Facebook gets a lot of grief for what happened during 2016 and not doing enough, but I do think they are making a very concerted effort to address false news on their platform. Not all the platforms are doing that. Some platforms just seem to be saying, well, it's our users and they can do what they want. Google has been uh, interested in a open source solution for getting fact checks in front of people. And what we've been doing is using a program called Share the Facts, developed at Duke University. And this uses code to mark fact checking content. Then Google is able to see which fact checkers are working using this markup, and they're able to highlight fact checking content in search results. And that's been a very productive project for both of us. Um, I think for users, it gets them accurate information. And for the fact checkers, it gets our content in front of people who are just looking for accurate information. So can I play devil's advocate for a moment? Is it possible that these algorithmic fixes will 
build some bias into these programs? Um, in theory, I think any information system can be gamed. In practice, um, these fact checks are, are about pretty clear-cut information that we've been showing through evidence and sourcing to be true or not so true. The other element of this is that this is all happening out in the open. Um, people can see our fact checks. They can see our work. They can dispute it. And some people have raised the flag that they're worried about bias. I would say most of the people raising the flag, though, are are partisans. Uh, there is a lot of lobbying and pressure from really committed ideologues to try to work the referees. So a lot of the criticism that I see is coming from an ideological place. It's not coming from people who are like open-minded or trying to improve civic discourse or get more accurate, credible information to people. I think the charge of bias itself has become extremely politicized. Kind of in a big sense, as I've been reporting on this, things have kind of started to feel unreal, especially in the online space. Like there's a certain tinge of unreality to it all. Yeah. And it's really hard to distinguish fact from fiction or bias from unbiased. I'm wondering if you, as a referee, are even feeling that. Uh, I, I feel it as a person who uses the Internet. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right. Sometimes you go into these online spaces, and it feels like an absolute circus. And I, I think people are seeing the dark side of the Internet and the way that anonymity gives people free range to say all sorts of untrue, sometimes slanderous, sometimes just mean things about each other. And I don't think people like that. Do you think Americans are getting smarter about fake news? I think they are, and I think they will continue to get smarter about fake news. Um, this is a brand new technology, the Internet, relatively speaking. I know we think it's been around forever, but it's really only been since the 1990s. And it's a life-changing technology on the scale of the printing press. Do you see this getting better in the near future? I hope so. I'm an optimist, so... <laughs> that doesn't I, sound too optimistic. I, I know, I know. I, I do think things will get better because people will get savvier. There are a lot of groups that have an interest in seeing the information ecosystem improve. I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. But overall, I'm optimistic because I just think the Internet is such a powerful tool to connect with other people, to talk to other people, to, to communicate with family and friends. We're not just going to abandon it. But it is a strange, strange moment. Angie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for Bots and Ballots this week. Thank you to my guests, Angie Drubnik-Holin. Please feel better. Also, thanks to Melody Rowell for field recording and to Leah Hitchens, my producer. Please subscribe to Bots and Ballots at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Grant Burningham. Thank you for listening.